So the, the history on Galatians here is uh, the, the, at this time when, when, when Paul is writing Galatians to the, the church in Galatia, uh, there is as many uh, like uh, Gentile, non-Jew Christian believers as there are Jewish believers because the, the best thing about the gospel, it was for everybody. So there were a lot of people that were coming to faith in Jesus uh, that did not grow up in the, in the Jewish laws and, and uh, traditions. So some of the Jewish Christians were coming into Galatia and saying, hey, we're cool with you being a part of God's family uh, as long as you adhere to the, the laws of God's family. And Paul writes them going, what? He's frustrated, perplexed. He's like confused. He's like, guys, why, why would you ever return? Well, it turns out that these Jews, they were really just wanting to avoid persecution from the other Jews who didn't believe in Jesus. Anyway, what he's saying, what we looked at last week, if you were here last week, Joshua Perlman, Pastor Joshua had a tug of war rope up here. And on one side, you had the flesh. And on the other side, you had the spirit. Do you guys remember that? Okay, so what we're gonna look at today, in the first like four chapters of Galatians, um, it's, it's correction. He's, he's correcting their theology. He's reminding them of God's overarching story. He goes all the way back to Abraham before Moses, and he's telling them, like, you guys, it's always been about faith. It, you should be corrected here. But then in chapter five and on to six, he turns to instruction. So now he's saying, hey, get it right, but also do these things. So what we're looking at um, today is the do these things, okay? So... Without further ado, uh, to the, mess the title of today's message is called An Orchard of Hope, uh, because when we keep in step with the Spirit, we produce good fruit, and that's where our hope comes from. So let's jump in at Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be starting in verse 13, and it says, uh, For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ, Jesus, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So my first point is compare apples to apples. See, what Paul, Paul was injured, which is what gave him the opportunity as, as the people in Galatia were, were helping him and nursing him back to health, gave him the opportunity to share the gospel with them. And this is what he told them, guys, people that practice these things, they're not gonna inherit the kingdom of, of, of God. So he's reminding them, uh, he says, remember, 
I gave you pure gospel. So my point number one is uh, compare apples to apples. Now, at my old house, before we moved, we had an orange tree. My wife never really liked eating oranges off it, but I loved them. I loved them so much that I took a picture of them. And I want to show you this picture. This is a picture of my oranges. That's not my oranges. Let's try. Also, not my oranges. Let's try again. There they are. Those are my oranges. That is a banana. Let's try one more time. There's the oranges. How do we know that? Because we know what an orange looks like, right? If I hand you a banana and I say, hey, this is an orange, you're going to go, you're an idiot. Because that's not. Because we know what an orange is, correct? So what we're talking about uh, in orchard, so we're talking about fruit. So all my points have, they like cleverly deal with fruit. Anyway, so compare apples to apples. How can you compare what you have if you don't know the truth, right? You've got to match up the truth. So it dawned on me as I was preparing this lesson that the rest of this message isn't going to make a whole lot of sense if you've never heard the truth or if you don't know the truth. So I'm going to take a couple minutes and I'm going to give you the truth. I'm going to give you the pure gospel, okay? So Romans 3.23, this is also Paul's writing. The, the, the list that he gives here in the Romans, he just outlines more clearly the same gospel that he would have given Galatians. So it says in Romans 3.23, it says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Sin is anything we think, say, do, or don't do that does not please God. It's... It, it means missing the mark. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says, For our sake, he, meaning God, made him, meaning Jesus, to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus had to come, die on the cross, to pay the penalties for my sins, for your sins, for the whole sins of all humankind. The penalty of our sin was death. He paid it on the cross, okay? Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So the pure gospel is, We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. There's only one way to salvation, and I need a savior, okay? The tricky part is you have to humble yourself to accept it. You have to admit that you need a savior, right? So I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you the truth is that I've sinned against God because I wanted to. No one made me do it. I did it. I deserve the full measure of God's holy and righteous wrath to be poured out on me and not only die a physical death, but more importantly, die a spiritual death being separated from him and his glory and his majesty 
and his wisdom and his care and his blessing and his strength and his overwhelming, forever faithful, steadfast, unbreaking, undivided love for the rest of eternity in hell where the punishment for sin is severe and without reprieve. So what I deserve, because I did the crime, the just answer is to, it, the payment has to be made. So I'm gonna say that again, and it's gonna sting a little bit more. The truth is that you've sinned. You did it because you wanted to. You deserve the full measure of God's holy and righteous wrath to be poured out on you. And not only die a physical death, but more importantly, die a spiritual death by being separated from him and his glory and his majesty and his wisdom and his care and his blessing and his strength and his overwhelming, forever faithful, steadfast, unbreaking, undivided love for the rest of eternity in hell where the punishment for sin is severe and, and without reprieve. It's not harsh. That's the reality. It was my selfishness that created the sin that we talked about last week, the works of the flesh. I'm guilty. I offended God with my actions, and now I deserve to endure God's wrath. The crime was committed, and the just sentence must be carried out. But God, in Ephesians 2, 4 through 8 says, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God. He broke his body and he poured out his blood on the cross to pay the penalty for my sin so that I could be seen as righteous for your sins so that you could be seen as righteous. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Amen. For those of us who believe, this is the very power of God. This is the same power that rose Jesus from the grave. The best news about the gospel is that Jesus didn't stay dead on the cross. He didn't bury and die and stay dead. He was raised from the dead. He beat death. Ephesians 1.13 says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. When you believe, when you believe, when you repent and believe in your heart that you are saved, you are saved. Praise the Lord. And what you will come to know is that he loves to be known for his faithfulness and his loving kindness. If that's you, if you wanna know that God, if you've never made that choice, if you've never heard that gospel, if you've never heard that good news, today's your day. That's why, that's why he brought you into this room was to hear this message. If you hear nothing else I say today, let that be it. 
If that's you, I want you to pray with me. It's not the prayer that saves you. It's your heart. It's your belief. It's your faith in, in, in your Savior Jesus that saves you. But you've got to respond. And if today's your day, respond, okay? Pray with me. Lord, thank you for being a God that loves us so much to send your one and only son to die on that cross so that whoever believes in him should not perish but will inherit eternity in heaven with you. Lord, I am so grateful for, for, for you being my savior. And Lord, if somebody's reaching out to you today, I pray that you would reach out and whisper in their ear, you are mine and I love you. Lord, we love you. Thank you for who you are. Amen. If that's you today, do not leave here without talking to somebody about it. Tell We have elders that will be up here after service that want to pray with you, want you to start on your journey. We want to celebrate. It says in, the, in God's word that all the, all the hosts of heaven rejoice over one sinner that repents. If that's you, heaven's throwing a party. We want to too. It's called baptism. We got water. We will dunk you in the tank. We want to celebrate with you, okay? Promise me you will not leave here today without meeting with somebody so that we can celebrate with you. So now we all know what true fruit is. We can compare an apple to an apple because we know what an apple is, right? That's what these Galatians should have already known. That's why he's frustrated and perplexed going, why would you ever go back to the law when you have the gospel, when you have the good news? Why would you ever go back there? Because if you really believe, then you were, you were sealed in the Holy Spirit. God put his living spirit inside you. Let me, let me tell you what that means. <laughs> we, can, we can tell fruit, like, one more time. Nope, the fruit, there we go. I know that that's an orange, right? Because I know it's an orange. It identifies itself. Funny thing about a tree is you can see a tree and have a difficult time identifying it until you see its fruit, right? An apple tree can tell you, hey, I'm an orange tree, and then produce oranges, and everyone goes, nope, you're an orange, you're an orange tree. That's who you are. That's who God made you to be. When we are renewed, we are a new spirit. We're a new creation. We create fruits of the spirit. And we will be known, God tells us, we can identify false teachers by their fruit. We can identify true Christians by their fruit. We have an example of this. One page previous to this, in, in Galatians chapter 2, Paul has a dramatic conversion on his way to Damascus. Jesus interrupts him, why are you persecuting my church? Changes him. He goes on mission for the Lord and he starts preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, the people, the non-Jews. He does that for like 14 years before he finally makes it back to Jerusalem and meets the elders of the, of the church in Jerusalem. And he goes before them and he's like, man, I hope I haven't been running in vain, but here's the gospel. Here's, here's the truth that I've been spreading. And when they realized it's the same fruit that Peter was given to the Jews, it, it lined up, they're like, yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. They extended the, the right hand of fellowship to him and he was like, oh, goodness, I'm, the last 14 year, years of my life haven't, haven't been in vain because he was, he was about the, the, the Lord's work, right? So, In the same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave and sealed you when you believed, the same spirit that was promised to never leave you or forsake you, his presence lives inside of you. His living presence cultivates evidence of love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Because you have the spirit inside you, you don't need the law anymore, okay? So you guys remember that tug of war that Pastor Joshua had last week? Okay, so on one side, and they were, all, they were fighting each other. Well, on this side, you, you had the law. That's what the, the purpose of the law was like a school teacher to keep you in line. To, like they kept, oh man, I made a mistake, I'll pay for that. Oh, I made a mistake, I'll pay for that. Oh, I made a mistake, I'll pay for that. Over on this side, now you were indwelled with the Holy Spirit. He calls you and puts you on mission. You, you, you have the living God inside of the speech. You hear that voice that says, this is the way, walk in it. You don't have time to be over there. You have something so much better over here. Do you see? So, When you believed, a miraculous thing happened. If you were saved, you know the power of God to forgive you and bring you back to himself through his grace. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18 says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. God calls us to be on mission so that we can experience him. Okay, so not all of us are called to be pastors, but all of us are called to be Christians. Here's the thing. If you understand what brought you back into a right relationship with God, then you've been called to the ministry of telling somebody about it. That's how it works. We go and make disciples of all nations. And if you have the living spirit inside you, he's gonna call you to it. Not only an overflow of, guess what God's done in my life, but also I gotta find more people to, to tell this good news to, right? So another illustration here is Kevin Costner uh, was in a movie titled The Guardian. Uh, not the bodyguard, the guardian. The guardian is a, a, a story about, um, a, a, he's in the Coast Guard. He's a, he's a master sergeant. So he's, he is like a legend. He, not only did he set the records when he was in basic training, but when he's out in the field, he has over 200 saves. Everybody in the Coast Guard knows him. Well, he has a terrible accident. And then, so as he's licking his wounds, he comes back and he starts training recruits. And through that, he's kind of old school. He has he's dumping ice in the water and in this pool. And these recruits, there's like 20 of them, they're all swimming in this water and they're freezing. And he's telling them the stages of hypothermia. So there's like these little icebergs floating around. They're all shivering. They're all literally dying because they're approaching hypothermia. And he's in there with them. So he's dumping all this ice and he's in there and he's telling them like, you'll feel this and you'll feel this. And you're like, and they're all dying. And as that happens, the instruct, some other instructors, the superiors come in and they, they go like, Sir, Master Sergeant, can we talk to you for a minute? So he climbs out of the pool and he walks over there and he's shivering and he goes, you know, we have classrooms for this. Like you don't, we just require that you teach them the signs of hypothermia. And he goes, yeah, but in two and a half minutes, they're gonna understand. There's a difference between knowing and actually understanding. God wants to call you on mission because that's where you experience him, okay? Philippians 3, 8 says this, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ as my Lord. 
Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 says, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what it is that is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is saying, knowing God is better than anything that this life has to offer. Religion is rooted in slavery to sin. But gospel, the good news, uh, the good news of Jesus Christ is rooted in love. So my third point, and we'll move quickly through this one, it says good fruit is rooted in love. And so I'm gonna have you turn with me in your Bible to John chapter 15, okay? It's a few pages to the left. It's one of the Gospels. And I'm gonna start in verse one. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the world, oh, because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire. Uh, I'm sorry, I lost my place. Thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit and prove to be my disciples. As the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I keep my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and your joy may be made full. I love this section of scripture because as Christians, we're called to be alive. We're supposed to have lives full of love and joy and purpose, okay? The world is selfish. Before Jesus, all the things that I wanted to be talented at and pursue, they were for me. And I don't, I mean, even for good causes, I wanted a pat on the back or whatever. It, it was rooted in, in, the, in the special things that I think I could accomplish with the gifts that God had, had given me. Because he's designed you. God's given you special gifts. And it may not be public speaking. It may not be uh, being a pastor, but you can, you, can, you can be a barista at Starbucks. There's people there that need hope. You can change tires at Discount Tire. There are people there that need hope. You can, you can be an analyst, you can, uh, an accountant. There are people in your firm that need, that, that need hope. You can run your business like a Christian. 
So, but here's the thing. What Jesus is telling us is it's impossible to do this without him. And here's why. Unless you are abiding in the spirit, you can't create fruit, okay? Can't create good fruit. So the cool part is if you are abiding, God is gonna be creating fruit that you can't create on your own. So you're like, oh my gosh, there's an orange growing. Like, that's amazing. But what you get to experience is God moving in and through you to create fruit that you couldn't create. And then when everyone goes, man, that's an amazing orange, you're gonna go, I didn't do it. I couldn't have done it. God was alive. I, I know this God. Do you see? And the fruit that you're gonna create is love, joy, peace, patience. You're gonna grow those things because it's, and all those things grow out of difficult situations. We cannot be afraid of the difficult stuff as Christians. But here's the key, and this will change your life. So one, two, three eyes on me. If you haven't heard anything for the last, you gotta hear this part, okay? If you wanna be on mission for God, here's how you do it. There's so many times we get confused about this being our story. We want God to come in and say, man, I, I'm doing this, will you bless it for me? Every, every one of God's awesome stories starts with people going, God, what are you doing? What story are you telling? So if you look around, God's, God's at work everywhere. I mean, he's literally at work everywhere. If you have the eyes to look around and you will see needs that he is meeting. And then, so when you see God at work, just ask him, what would you have me do? And he will put you to work. And 100% of the time, you have, like, don't do this, without good intention, because 100% of the time, without fail, he is gonna ask you to do something that you can't do. It's gonna be bigger than you. And you're gonna go, oh, I can't do that. And he's gonna go, I know. I'm the one that's gonna do it. It is going to be bigger than you. And that's how you are going to experience the living God fall walls. Have you walk on water? Have you build a boat that saves humanity? All of the stories are impossible stories because God is a God of impossibles. That's how he shines. Do you see? When you are creating fruit that you can't create on your own, the rest of the world goes, huh, how is that happening? How are they doing that? Our job is just to go, I know a good God that loves like crazy and he loves you too. When you're in step with the Spirit, you don't have time to be on the side of the tug of war. You don't have time because you're too busy creating fruit. You gotta get on mission. When you're, uh, when you're way out over here, when you're, when you're responding to the Lord, when you're abiding in the Lord, you, you begin to experience the same God that every person in this incredible story has ever experienced. The same one, it's not a new one. The same God that did all these amazing things wants to do it in you today. A God of miracles that loves you so much that he would send his own son to die for you to bring him back to yourself, bring you back to himself. God is overwhelmingly loving. God is overwhelmingly joyful. He's overwhelmingly peaceful, overwhelmingly patient, overwhelmingly kind, overwhelmingly good, overwhelmingly faithful, overwhelmingly gentle, overwhelmingly self-controlled. And this, this list is not exhaustive. It, it continues. We will experience that the more we experience him, 
And that's why we have hope. My hope isn't stapled like, I hope my team wins the Super Bowl this year. That, like, that's a hope, right? My hope in salvation and God is stapled on a cross. It's in a proven love. God sent, since all, just like Paul took us in Galatians all the way back to Abraham before Moses, he said I, he was always telling one story that centers on Jesus Christ, right? He promised the Messiah and he did it. He promised a spirit that would never leave you or forsake you and you can experience it. And as you, as you grow in that, as you create more fruit that you know you're not creating, you are experiencing a God that's alive. He's promised and he fulfilled it. Every one of his promises he's fulfilled, which means his promise for ones that haven't been fulfilled yet are gonna be fulfilled because he is overwhelmingly faithful. My hope is centered on the fact that Jesus Christ died on the cross, his love proven, done, finished. We can't get away from that. So when we keep in step with the Spirit, that's when we create an orchard of good fruit. And that's what our hope is in. And that's how we bring hope to the city. Do you see? The reason we live on, in step with the Holy Spirit is because it's addictive. The more you get, the more you're like, man, this is the purpose of life. We were created to know and be known by him. Let's get on mission today. And if your mission started today, don't leave without responding to that. Let us know because we want to worship with you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your promises. Thank you for your word. Thank you for being a God that can hold the entire universe in the palm of your hand, but somehow care about the things that, that concern me. You are an incredible God and you are so worthy of all honor and glory and worship and praise. Oh, how we love you, Lord. So give us the eyes to see where you are at work and grant us the strength and the courage to join you in the work so that we can experience you creating fruit in and through us that will last in eternity. Amen. Mm -hmm.